I'd just like to welcome everyone joining us on our live stream. It's just one part of our service here at Chelsea Community Church with City Temple. Uh, if you want to be part of the whole thing, drop us an email, or you can come and join us at 11 a.m. at Chelsea Community Church uh, in Chelsea. All right, if you have your Bible with you, let's turn to two places. We're continuing our series, Jesus, According to Jesus. And we're going to start uh, in John chapter 10, and then we're going to go back to John chapter 6. Apologies for my scratchy throat a bit. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true, and it applies to us. It's the only standard for our, our faith and our life as Christians. So I pray, Lord, that you'd speak in the power of your Holy Spirit to us through the word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pick up in John 10. We'll start with verse 1. And in a sense, we're, we're kind of artificially cutting in half a larger story, uh, which we'll resume in two weeks from now. But we'll read the first half today. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from the stranger, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then to John chapter 6, another one of Jesus' sign miracles, we pick up with verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there, 
and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, like many things in life, uh, I've learned a lot by being on the Isle of Lewis. Our friends are up in Scotland. And one of the things I've learned about is shepherding. I didn't really, you know, growing up in St. Louis uh, in a city, I didn't really have much contact with sheep. And living in central London, I haven't really had much contact with sheep, although sheep have been all over the place all over London. And so it was a lot of fun first going up to the Isle of Lewis, and just about everybody has a croft, which is like a small subsistence farm. And so many people have sheep, and they keep their sheep in the croft. And I learned a lot that, that in the wintertime, they have a croft that's near their house, and they bring the sheep together, and it's, it's a fenced-in area. Now, thankfully, up on the Isle of Lewis, they're not wolves, and so they don't have to worry about that. And people are generally honest, so there's not a whole lot of sheep stealing that goes on up there. Uh, so, uh, so they have, you know, just moderately sized fences and things. And then in the summertime, the men and women would largely, they would take their sheep up to an area called a shaling. And a shaling actually refers to a, a little cottage, a hut, really, that uh, the shepherds would build for themselves. Uh, and then they would put the sheep out in the common grazing land, and a lot of shalings would be pretty close together, and the sheep were around, and the sheep would be fairly close together, and they would intermingle quite a bit, but it was always extraordinary when it came time to come off the shaling. The shepherd, all he'd have to do is just call the sheep, and the sheep would recognize his voice, and they'd come together on the shaling, and, uh, and then they'd come back. Uh, when the time was right, they'd come back into town, into the, uh, the sheep pen that they had in the town. And, uh, you know, watching sheep, you, you learn sheep are fun. And one of my favorite things is to watch the, the little lambs that are first born and how they skip and jump and, uh, and they, they roughhouse, you know, they wrestle and they roll and, uh, you know, and sometimes they look like Adde did when he was a little kid, you know. It, uh, they had fun uh, and they're, they're fun, fun, fun animals. But you also learn sheep are pretty dumb, you know. Uh, you drive through the roads uh, and uh, the sheep, well, they're led out in the common grazing land and so many times they would come and they would sit on the road. I mean, what do you do? What, who does that, you know? Or what, what, was, what, what really gets you is when the sheep, uh, there's grass at the side of the road, so what do they do? They put their backside out in the middle of the road and then they stick their head over into the grassy area and eat the grass. And it's just like, you know, nana nana boo boo come and run over me, you know? And so you have to pay a whole lot of attention. Uh, but it was just so powerful up there. You know, I, I tried many times, I tried to call the sheep. You know, because you want to do that, they're so cute, right? You know, so every time I try to call the sheep, they just run the other direction. You know, and I tried whistling. I tried singing nice songs. You know, I'd sing them love songs, all kinds of stuff. But they didn't respond to me. 
But it's really extraordinary how even the whistle of their shepherd, they recognize and they distinguish from other whistles. You know, so it's, it's really, really fascinating. And it's important, I think, for us as Christians because the metaphor of sheep, like I was telling the, the kids earlier, the metaphor of sheep is very, very important in the Bible. And the idea of the shepherd that calls the sheep and the sheep follow is something that is very prominent throughout the scriptures. And it's something very important for us to understand because today we're living in a, town, a time where there's a whole range of voices calling to people. There's a whole range of voices calling to us, saying, come, follow me. Come, do it my way. Come, buy my book. Watch my YouTube program. Uh, pay for this seminar, whatever, and I will tell you the way to find life. I will tell you the way to find happiness. I will tell you the way to find fulfillment. And people are trying to find fulfillment, and they're trying to find life, and they're trying to find happiness in many, many different ways. And they keep following these claims that follow me, and I'll be the way to satisfaction and joy in your life. But we know that none of those really have the answer. But Jesus today in the passage made claims about himself that frankly were startling. The people that first, I mean, we're, we're used to a lot of these claims. We've heard them many times. If you've been part of a church any length of time, you've heard different things and people will nod their heads. But frankly, what Jesus was saying was startling and even a bit offensive to some people. They decided to take offense for what Jesus was saying. It was very, very striking. He was claiming that God's sheep were his sheep. He was claiming in the passage that his voice is the voice and the only voice that God's people would listen to. Uh, in this series, we're looking at Jesus according to Jesus. Because frankly, there's a lot of opinions about Jesus, as we've seen. A lot of people say, oh, Jesus was a great teacher, or he was just a prophet, or, or whatever. But we need to really understand what Jesus said about himself. Because the only opinion that really makes any difference is frankly Jesus' opinion. Because if what Jesus said was wrong, we should run the other way. But if what Jesus said is right, which obviously as Christians we believe, then we need to respond as Jesus requires us to respond. And there's no real other way about that. And so we need to understand what Jesus is claiming about himself. And today, his claim, he said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Now that, again, it sounds kind of weird. You know, I'm the door of the sheep. Now, so to understand it, we need to understand a little bit about shepherding in Jesus' time. Now, back in Jesus' day, uh, every family might have a sheep or two, but uh, some families would have 
a larger number of sheep. And, and, uh, and after you get to be more than about uh, five, six, seven sheep, you had to do things in a particular way. And they learned this. So a family that had a number of sheep would have a sheepfold in two different locations. They'd have a sheepfold in the town, often that was connected to the house. Many times it was behind the house. And the sheepfold behind the house had very high walls that were built up. It would have a gate so that the sheep didn't have to go through the house. But it would have a gate, very high walls. And on the top of the high walls, when they constructed them, they would put glass uh, or uh, 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 rocks or things like that, pointy things, to keep people from climbing over the top. They were pretty high. And the, the family would almost always have a gatekeeper because the family wanted to make sure that somebody was watching the sheep while they were sleeping because otherwise, you know, the thieves, they couldn't go over the walls, they'd just come through the gate. So each family would have a gatekeeper that sat inside the gate at night to protect the gate and make sure that it stayed secure throughout the night. Families also, once you got a few sheep, they'd also have a professional shepherd. Now sometimes the shepherd was somebody they hired to do the shepherding, but many times the shepherd was a member of the family. You know, we understand David. David was a shepherd. He was the shepherd for his dad. And he was a member of the family. He was one of the sons in the family. Now, although there was two sheepfolds in two locations, it was one herd and it belonged to one shepherd. It was not like two herds and two shepherds and all that. It was one herd and it's one shepherd. So the sheepfold that was attached to the family home, as I said, had the high wall, so it's difficult to go over the wall. There's strong protection against the thieves. They're safe from wild animals because most wild animals didn't come into this, the towns because of the population of people there. And they had the very strong door that had the, gate, that had the gatekeeper guarding the door. And so you knew anybody that doesn't use the door by definition, is a thief or a robber. So you got to go through the door. That's the only legitimate way to be with the sheep. That's the only legitimate way that the sheep go in and out of the sheepfold in the town. And so the gatekeeper is inside, and he guards over the night. He sleeps there in the night. And then in the morning, when it comes time to take the sheep out to grazing, the shepherd comes and calls to the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper then opens the gate when he hears the voice of the shepherd. He won't open the gate to anybody else other than the shepherd. You know, so someone came in, I'm the shepherd. He said, no, you're not. I know your voice. You know, you know, he called me by name. And, uh, and so they would have the way to find, find out. So the gatekeeper then would open the gate. But of course, the sheep are there. And remember, sheep are kind of dumb. They don't want to leave their nice, comfortable little place, even though they're hungry. And they're, yeah, yeah, I want to eat, I want to eat. And they're like, come on out. No, I want to eat, I want to eat. Well, you got to come out to eat. You know? And so they're, they're kind of complaining. And then the shepherd, he calls to the sheep. Sometimes you say, hey oh, hey oh, hey oh. Or you have a song, or just give a whistle. And the sheep, as soon as they hear the shepherd's voice, 
they leave the pen. They leave the sheepfold to follow the shepherd. And so the sheep have to know that voice and respond only to that voice. And in fact, young sheep often have to be trained to recognize the voice of the shepherd. Otherwise, what they tend to do is run around banging their heads against the wall. I mean, it's quite comical uh, what happens. And so you have to train them to recognize the shepherd's voice. But as the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd, the shepherd calls the sheep, and the sheep eagerly follow the shepherd. And the shepherd with a large flock will often have a name for a few of his sheep, uh, his favorite sheep. And the shepherd leads the sheep out. And, and when they come out into the street, oftentimes it's the market square. And so you have lots of different shepherds in the market square calling out for the sheep. And you've got this cacophony of sheep all over the place. But the shepherds would call, hey oh, hey oh, and the sheep would recognize the voice of their shepherd. And as the shepherd would lead the sheep out, the sheep would fall into line to follow the voice of their shepherd and only their shepherd. It's extraordinary. And I've seen this. I've seen this kind of thing in operation. And the sheep will not follow a stranger. Now, the stranger is not a thief, but uh, one of many voices offering other options to the sheep. They flee from the strangers. They don't follow them. They will only follow the shepherd, the voice they know, not the voice that they don't know. And then they go out into the countryside. You have the sheepfold. The second sheepfold is the sheepfold out in the countryside. And this is often beneficial when the sheep spend the night in the countryside. You don't want to leave the sheep out in the open countryside, especially where there's wild animals or thieves or robbers that can take the sheep. And so you'll have to have a sheepfold in the open country, in the common grazing area. And like the one in town, it will have strong walls, maybe not quite as high as the one in town, but they're strong walls. They're protected walls so that people don't crawl over them. And they'll have a narrow entryway. And in fact, the narrow entryway is usually the only vulnerable spot in the sheepfold. And it's so narrow that two sheep can't fit through at the same time. Only one at a time can fit through. Now, the weird thing about this, there's no gate. There's no kind of enclosure. The shepherd is the gate. So at night, all the sheep come in, and the shepherd lays down there at the gate, lays over the gate. Uh, if he has a dog, he'd have his sheep dog with him. And they'd lay there, and they would be there for the benefit of the sheep, to protect the sheep and to care for the sheep. And during the day, then, the shepherd gives the sheep the freedom that they need to go in and out and find good pasture. He around, and when he needs, he calls them, and they hear his voice, and they come. But when night falls, the sheep come in, so they're protected by the door, which is the shepherd himself, who keeps them safe from thieves and robbers and wild animals. So that's what would happen in Jesus' day. So Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. So what is Jesus claiming for himself? What is Jesus asserting here? He's saying... 
One, that those who follow Jesus are sheep. <laughs> yeah, I know some of you are smellier than others. I don't. Uh, you know, sometimes we're just helpless and rather dumb. You know, and the problem is a lot of times we think we know a lot more than we do. And we think we're wise when we're not. But, uh, but he makes that, that's what he's saying. He's saying we're sheep. We're sheep. And all we, like sheep, have gone astray, the psalmist says. And Jesus is making that claim. And so if you get offended by that, sorry. It's what he says. It's not what I'm saying. And he's saying, when he says, I am the door, he's also saying that the sheep, the herd, and the sheepfolds belong to Jesus. He is the owner. He is the guardian. There's no other owner. There's no other guardian. He is the one. And Jesus is saying here as well, when he says, I am the door, Jesus is saying that he knows the sheep by name. As I mentioned, you know, a shepherd will often have three or four sheep, kind of his favorite, you know, that he calls by name. But Jesus is saying that he, as the door for the sheep, knows all of the sheep by name. He knows all those who follow him personally and intimately, not just a few of the sheep. Jesus is claiming here that all those who are genuine sheep, who are God's sheep, all those know his voice and will follow his leadership. Not the leadership of others, but Jesus and Jesus alone. He's making an exclusive claim here. Jesus is saying here as well, when he says, I am the door, he's claiming that he is the one who leads and goes before the sheep, and the sheep follow him and will not go ahead, even as the door is opened, and he calls out the sheep, and the sheep follow. That is the claim that he's making there. And Jesus is saying here very clearly when he says, I am the door, he's saying there is only one way into his sheepfold, through the door, who is Jesus. He's either the door himself or he is the one who calls the gatekeeper to open and close the door. And that gatekeeper is established by Jesus. Since he is the owner of the herd, he's the one who appoints the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper isn't a volunteer. The gatekeeper is somebody that's appointed by Jesus Christ to open the door for the sheep. And that gatekeeper only opens the door at the behest of Jesus. He's also claiming that he himself is the door in the countryside sheepfold. That means that Jesus provides security and protection. That Jesus provides provision for abundant living. That Jesus is the one who provides free movement regarding God's kingdom. God's loving rulership. And Jesus is saying here quite clearly that any other way of entering the sheepfold is as a thief or a robber. Someone who's seeking to use the sheep for themselves. The, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
That means he's going to steal the sheep, he'll kill the sheep, and then he'll eat the sheep. It's for his own benefit. That's the thief. The one who does that for his own benefit, who gets sheep to feed himself, that's the thief. Only those who enter the sheepfold by Jesus as the door, according to Jesus, will be saved. And only those who enter the sheepfold by Jesus as the door will have the abundant life that Jesus provides because he is our protection and our provision. He's saying further that all the sheep that really belong to God go into his sheepfold. There's not a number of different sheepfolds owned by different religious leaders. There's one sheepfold for the sheep of God. And I think too, and this is more speculative on my part, but when we look at the twofold nature of the sheepfold, I see a dynamic there, and I think the sheepfold is the church of Jesus Christ. And there's a twofold dynamic. There's a, a dynamic of the sheepfold in the town, which is a place of safety with the family, known by name, close to one another with gatekeepers. And then there's the, the sheepfold that's in the countryside, which is the church at work in the world, the mission of God, the kingdom of God, going out into the world. And only through Jesus can people go in and out and find good pasture. That's a metaphor for fruitful living. And Jesus is the source of our freedom, and he protects our freedom. And we engage with the world through Jesus as part of his kingdom. Ultimately, when Jesus claims to be the gate or the door, he's saying that he is the one who gives us free and unlimited access to his kingdom. We go out as we live for him, and we experience the abundant life that he promised. Now, as usual, a lot of people didn't get it. You know, isn't that the case? He actually uses both the examples, the, the countryside sheepfold and the in-town sheepfold, to try to, to, you know, get beyond the thickness of people. But, you know, after all, we're sheep. So sometimes it's kind of hard for us. So, okay, it's well and good to say Jesus made the claim. And he did make this claim. He is the door of the sheep. Well, the question then comes, what in the world did Jesus do to show he could make such a claim? As I've said before, I could claim to be the king of England, but if I can't muster up any guards in, in white uniforms and big fuzzy hats, I'm not the king. So what claims did he make? What did he do to support the claims that he made? In this case, Jesus walked on the water. He walked on the water. We, we read the story. It's told in, not only in uh, 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 John, but in two other Gospels, is the story of walking on the water. Each one gives slightly different details, fill out the story in different way. But we learn that after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus takes some time, goes up to the mountain, says to the disciples, hey guys, get in the boat, go on over to the other side, and I'll join you. So he spends the time on the mountain. The disciples, maybe they're cleaning up the rest of the rubbish because they want to leave it nice and neat and clean. I don't know, you know, what, uh, after the feeding of the 5,000. So they get in the boat, and they go on the other side. But the darkness starts to come, and the wind picks up. And because the wind picks up, 
the waves pick up, and they're rowing and rowing, and it's about the middle of the night, and they've only gotten about three or four miles. It's only part of the way. And so they're out in the sea, and a lot of crazy things are happening, and suddenly they look out, and they're rowing, and, uh, and they see Jesus walking on the water. Or they see this guy walking on the water or this figure walking on the water. I don't know exactly what they saw, but they definitely saw something coming at them on the water. And, and remember, that's before the day of speedboats and all this kind of stuff. And so they see this thing coming at them on the water and it's like, oh man, we're going to die. We're going to, this is terrible. It's, it's scary. We're going to die. I mean, they're just panicking and maybe they're trying to row off faster and this this thing that they see comes is, is kind of uh, getting closer and getting closer and then all of a sudden they hear a voice it is I don't be afraid Jesus spoke and they recognized his voice and then they were glad and they said oh come on up in the boat you can help us row and Jesus gets in the boat, and immediately the boat gets to the land where they were going. There's no more rowing. Suddenly they're there. Now the people recognized that something had happened because they knew Jesus hadn't gone with the disciples. What is happening here? How in the world? There was only one boat there. There's no other way that Jesus could have got across the water. We saw just the one boat. And they recognized what's happened, and they had to get some other boats and, and try to catch up with them. And the walking on the water was something that nobody else had been doing. It's a unique sign miracle for Jesus. And reinforced with the disciples that this man is who he said he is. He is the one he claims to be. And in walking on the water... Jesus demonstrated his miraculous power. And he also showed that when we're with Jesus, that many times we get to places faster than we ever could have in any other way. And walking on the water is a sign confirming his claim as the door of the sheep. So then he makes the claim. He proves that he's the one able to do it. What do we do about it? What does Jesus require of us regarding his claim to be the door? Because he makes very specific requirements. If it is true, it is not something we can take passively. If it is true, we need to do something about it and how we respond to it. So what does Jesus require? Jesus requires that we know his voice and respond to his voice, his leadership, obediently. If we are one of his sheep. If you don't have a desire to learn his voice and follow his voice, you're not one of his sheep. You can be one, you can get trained, but you have to be, if you're one of Jesus's, you need to respond to his voice and obey what he says. Jesus is also requiring, if he really is the door of the sheep, 
He's requiring that we follow Jesus and Jesus alone. You don't follow another stranger. You don't follow a bunch of religious leaders. You follow Jesus. He's making an exclusive claim for himself. He's saying, I am the one who's come that you could have life and have it to the fullest. Not a bunch of other guys, but me is what he's claiming. There are many strangers in the world who have herds of sheep today. There are many people following their leader to the slaughter many times. And I'll avoid giving examples. There's many strangers that are calling out in the marketplace, on YouTube and social media, saying, follow me and you'll have life. But Jesus says, no, you have to follow me because I am the door for the sheep. I think Jesus also requires that we are part of the sheepfold in the town and in the countryside. If we are his sheep, we're part of his household. If we are his sheep, we're part of his mission. It's not a spectator sport. It's not something that just happens and you sit back and benefit from. You have to be part of what Jesus is doing in the world. Jesus also requires that we acknowledge the gatekeepers who respond to his voice and open the gate for the sheep at his command. Now we call those gatekeepers leaders and quite frankly, a lot of leaders in the church of Jesus Christ today who claim to be part of the church are not true gatekeepers of Jesus. There are a lot of false leaders, people who are there for selfish motives, people who disguise themselves as gatekeepers in order to steal a few sheep for themselves. And we have to be on the lookout. But you can tell a genuine gatekeeper because a genuine gatekeeper responds to the voice of Jesus. And Jesus is saying here that we cannot enter the sheepfold except through Jesus. And these are the requirements that he's making. But he also gives us many promises that go along with these requirements. He promises that he will know us by name, every single one of us, which is really startling if you think two or three billion Christians around the world that he knows by name. It speaks of intimacy, but also speaks of security. He won't let us go. He promises that he will give us freedom. He is the one who gives us freedom from the power of sin. He is the one who gives us freedom from the power of the world. He's the one who give us, gives us freedom from the power of the devil so that we can actually live the life that he's called us to live, so that we can experience abundant living, which is what we need to do as Christians. He's promising that he will provide good pasture for us. He will take us to the place, good places where we need to be. The journey might be difficult sometimes. It might be mountainous. The valleys might be dark. But if we listen to the voice of the shepherd and follow him, we'll go to the good pastures because he's promising us that he's the one who knows where the good pastures are so he can lead us there. You know, so often we as people, we think, oh, well, if I just had this job or if I just married this person 
or if I just had this house, or drove this car, or had this kind of accolade, you know, then, then I, I, would, I would feel nourished. I'd have an abundant life. I'd feel satisfied. And so many times we pursue these things on our own, and they end up with emptiness. They don't nourish us. They don't satisfy us. And Jesus says, hey, don't listen to those other voices and don't take it upon yourself to wander off thinking you found better grazing pasture. But instead, listen to me and trust me because I will bless you. I will lead you into that place. But we have to eat what he provides. And he's promising here that he is the one who will protect us from the thieves and the robbers and the wild animals, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. So he makes these promises. Jesus makes the claim, I am the door of the sheep. The only door for the sheep that genuinely belong to God. I am the door, Jesus says. And Jesus proved his ability to say it as he walked on the water. It was a foreshadowing of what he was going to say as he was out there walking on the water and he calls out to the disciples and the disciples hear his voice and invite him on their boat. And suddenly the boat is supernaturally where it was supposed to be. But Jesus also makes these requirements that he is the only gate that we are part of his herd, his sheepfold, that we follow his voice and his voice alone. But he also promises that doing so is a source of blessing, the source of the fulfillment that he promises for our lives. Now, quite frankly, right now, there are many divergent, strident voices calling for the attention and the loyalty of the flock. Many political leaders that are out there, many religious leaders, many even bearing the name Christian that are not, you know, trying to get our attention, trying to do things their way and according to their, uh, their opinions. And there are a lot of these leaders who have strong opinions about Jesus. Oh yeah, he was a great man, he was really good. He was, he was a revolutionary. Uh, he, was, uh, uh, he was a prophet. He was all these things. He was a rebel. You know, all these kinds of things. And some of them are true. Some of them are not. But frankly, I don't care about the opinion of somebody born 2,000 years after Jesus about who Jesus really was. I want to take Jesus' opinion because if Jesus' opinion about himself is not right, then we should not follow. But I am convinced that Jesus is correct in what he says about himself. And I'm convinced because Jesus proved it. There are many divergent claims to be the door, saying, follow me, open, I'm going to open the way to what is real life, real abundant living. Many claim to be the entryway into God's kingdom, even Jesus' church. But Jesus is the only door for the sheep. 
And we are called to believe and to follow as Jesus requires us to follow. With the good news that through his death and his resurrection, he has given us freedom and unlimited access to his kingdom so that we might go in and out and find the pasture, the good pasture that he promises. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. Jesus, I thank you for what you said about yourself. I thank you for how you clarified the issue for us. And Jesus, I trust what you say. I trust your opinion of yourself because you've proved it over and over and over, not only in walking on the water, but in almost every day that I live my life. You've shown how you are the door for the sheep and that we can go in and out through you and find good pasture, that we can go in and out through you and find all the blessings of your kingdom, that we can go in and out through you and be part of your mission to the world. So we exalt you, Jesus, crucified, risen from the dead, and we look forward to the day when you come again. But until that day, let us be your sheep who hear your voice and follow you faithfully in the power of your Holy Spirit, by the grace of God the Father. We pray all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord, shall we?